It's an all-age service this morning, so I'm just going to share a few words. It's, it's actually quite a short sermon, but it was actually born out of the news that I knew was coming. The title of my sermon this morning is Prophetic Engagement. And you wouldn't have known the significance of that and if Ruth hadn't have let it out. Yeah, just, this is not something I'm making up. It's in the slides. It's there and... and uh, I kind of really want to go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Let me pray and we're going to get into the word and we're going to... Uh, I believe this is an action word uh, this morning. Father, I pray that, Lord, as we come around your word, as we gather around this great book, Lord, you will speak to us through it. Father, you'll help me, Lord, to keep on focus with what you share with me. Father, I pray that, Lord, there would be fruit from today's word, Lord God. Father, your scripture, your, your word says, uh, when the word goes out, there will be fruit. There will be things that are re- results, consequences. And so, Father, I pray that, Lord, our lives would be touched. For those listening online, I pray for them too. For those listening later, I pray, Lord, you're not bound by time. So use these words, Lord, to bring you glory, to touch your world. Let the fingerprints of heaven be on earth today, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And so I've only really got one story that I'm going to be reading from. It's from the book of Acts. And you'll know when I get there. But you maybe wouldn't have associated that the bit that I'm about to read comes before this particular story. It's in Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 40. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted to them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptised. And that day, a few people were added to the church. 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, the fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them amongst all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one another in the temple and the breaking of bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favour with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. The Lord added to the church daily. You know, this is not something, and, and I'm, I'm speaking not just to RCF, I, I sense in some sense it's a, I'm speaking to the wider church. If you read the newspapers and believe what the newspapers say, the church is dying in the UK. Church attendance is getting less. But you've got to look under the covers because there are churches that are spirit-filled churches that are growing and growing vitally. I was in a church yesterday in Tooting where quite clearly growing, they're having to have multiple services. Churches we're connected to in in Bracknell. Again, they've gone to multiple site, multiple service. So God is at work. And I believe that we as a church need to engage with God being at work and do what God has called us to do. Because this is what the early church did that I read there. They continued in the apostles' teaching. They broke bread together. They prayed. They shared things. One of the things that I would love to be true about this building is this building gives out, and we give out through this building so much more than it can contain. That we don't limit it to just what we have. So food bank would be a great example. Let's not 
you know, people in need, it's a way of meeting people's needs. Do you know, as people come and their needs are met, there's doors are open for opportunities to talk to them, to pray with them, um, to, to provide for them in other ways. Just the other end of the car park is another building that we partner with called the Beesum. And the Beesum is, the, be, the word Beesum is a broom that sweeps clean. It was born out of the same stable as Alpha. It's very much about pe meeting people's needs. But Beesum at the other end of the car park, it's not a furniture warehouse. It's not where we just get rid of the things that we don't need. Mandy and the team who lead that, normally you go on a regular basis down there, don't you? Mandy and the team who lead that, um, one of the things they say is, this is focused on prayer. And so they do receive things. When, when somebody has a brand new bed they don't need and gives them a bed, and they say thank you very much. They do take things, but they've only got a small building. So they can't keep on going, yes, give us whatever you've got, because there's just not room. But this is what they do. They're a praying group of people. And so when a need comes through the door, somebody says, I've, I've just been given a bed, uh, uh, um, supported lodgings. I've just been given some lodgings. I have a bed, but I don't have a mattress. And I don't have any plates and cups and saucers. They'll be put in contact with the besom, and the besom will help them. But here's the interesting point. And I want to share this because for me, this is kind of part of the foundation of what I'm sharing this morning is they don't panic when they don't have what people need. So regularly a phone, will phone call will come in saying, um, we don't have a kettle, Our kettles, we don't have the money to buy a new kettle. Um, and they'll say, okay, we'll pray about it. Well, actually, the bed's a better example, because I know the story behind the, the bed. You know, somebody might ring up and say, um, we've just moved into, a, into a accommodation, and we've got one bed, but we've got a child as well, and we don't have a bed for them. And so what will they do? They'll pray. And the record right now, and not that we want to have records, but I just want to show how faithful God is, is they had a phone call come in one day last year where somebody rang up and said, um, we have need of a single bed for a child. They said, we don't have one right now. We'll let you know when we do. 11 minutes later, they prayed. And 11 minutes later, a phone call comes in. I've got a single bed. Would you like, would, could it be of use? Are you interested? Brand new single bed came in. Was didn't even go into the. I, I believe it didn't even go into the into the warehouse into the into Beesum. It just got collected and taken straight to the lady in question. Now God, God answers prayers. And 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 so you know, they had many things in common. And my 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 phrase in my head for this morning is God wants us to engage with what he's doing. Now, I think there's a picture next, Simon. Hopefully, if I've got this in the right order. Charlie, can you help me? Who is this, who is this car? Steve McQueen? Lightning McQueen. Yes, did everybody, has everybody met this? Is it the blue one? I see, we've got an expert in the room. We've got a real expert in the room. Now, I had this in here for a particular reason. I wanted an illustration of a car. And I couldn't think... I, I, I've, I've played with Charlie in some of his cars. And you, you've got at least one Lightning McQueen, haven't you? Maybe more. There's lots of them. And uh, I, I just wanted to take as an illustration how to drive a car. Now, um, I don't know whether anybody's willing to come and volunteer. 
Well, I just want you to imagine this is the driving seat of the car. Is anybody willing to come and get in the car? <laughs> Thank you, Julia. Thank you. Just. And so Julia's going to sit down. She's going to sit down in the driving seat. Now, what's in front of Julia? Ch Charlie, what's in front of Julia? Steering wheel. Does it go up and down? It goes from left to right. So there's a steering wheel in front of Julia. And is there anything else? She shut the door. And okay, what does she need to do? What's the first thing she needs to do? Put her makeup on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, nice. What does she need to do, Charlie? Seat belt on. Good boy. Well done. Safety first. Put the seat belt on. Oh, excellent stuff. Yeah. So. Okay, notice seatbelt went on before the key was in the ignition or anything else. What next? Anybody else? Look in the mirror, yeah. Make sure what's behind before you do anything. The mirror to do her makeup. No. No. The mirror to make sure everything's safe. Hey? Make sure there's nothing behind her. What does she do next? Yes. Put the key in the ignition. Yeah. Yes, put the key in the ignition. Yes. Okay, and then what does she do with that key? Turns it. And what happens when you turn the key? The car starts. The engine starts to go. Yeah, the car, it's a good car you got there, Juliet. It started first time. Jolly good. The car started first time. And notice the driver's now got a smile on her face. It started. Because when the engine starts, that means the heater starts to work. And I know Juliet likes the heater on in her car, so you know, there's some warmth. Eventually, some warmth will come through to the car. Okay. Now, Juliet could sit there with the car running, but she could even put her foot on a pedal on the right-hand side. Do we know what that's called? Maybe the children would know which one that is. It's Juliet, Juliet's favourite pedal. What's it called, adults? It's the accelerator. It makes the engine go faster. And if you take it off, the engine goes slower. It's a pedal Juliet likes quite a lot. <laughs> okay, but, but I want you to imagine, Juliet's now putting her foot on this right-hand pedal. What happens when she puts her foot on the pedal right now? It revs up. It revs up. You go... <laughs> yeah? <laughs> is, that, is that right, Charlie? Yeah? Why is the car not going anywhere? The engine's going. There's power. But she's not going anywhere. Why not? She's, it's not in gear. Now, I don't know whether you've got an automatic or a manual, so I can't assume now, but let's stick with a manual because it's easier to explain. Okay, there are three pedals underneath. We've got a brake in the middle, and we've got a thing on the left-hand side called a clutch, A, B, C. Accelerator, brake, clutch. Did you know, know that was an A, B, C? Okay, you've just learnt your A, B, C. Oh dear. No. You must drive an No, you don't drive an Oh dear. Having fun in church. Dangerous stuff. Okay, so we press our foot on the clutch and we put the gear. What's that thing in the middle of the car called? Gear stick. Yes, Charlie. Thank you. It's a gear stick. So Juliet puts it into gear. Okay, and she lets her foot off the clutch. And what happens? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, 
but the, the engine engages yeah. with the gears, which connects with the wheels, and assuming you've taken the handbrake off. Yeah. Did you take the handbrake off, Juliet? Not yet. Not yet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who didn't help Juliet to take the handbrake off? She looked in the mirror, she took the handbrake off, she's taken her foot off the clutch, foot on the accelerator, and away we go. I, I think she was parked on a front drive. But, okay. the, the thing I want you to, I think, thing I want us as church to focus on before I embarrass Julia anymore and talk about her braking skills um, is that foot when we put it on the clutch and took it off the clutch. We were engaging with power. We were engaging with power, and just like Julia, Lightning McQueen has a clutch too. He is not an automatic car. He goes very fast, doesn't he, Charlie? So thank you, Julia. Let's give Julia a round of applause. Thank you, Julia. Because the illustration, I hope, is clear to you that unless we choose to engage, we can make a lot of noise. That, I, don't, I don't know whether you've ever heard a learner driver get in the car and they're not quite sure where the biting point is and... Mm, or, or someone who's got big, thick boots on that they've never worn. Yeah. So if you're wearing big, thick boots with big, thick soles on, you over-rev the car, or you don't find where the clutch point is. And so there's all this power that's being released, but it's not going anywhere. Because what's the story that comes after the bit of the Bible that I just read? What comes in Acts chapter 3? Without going there, does anybody know? Acts chapter 3. What's the first story at the beginning of Acts chapter 3? Peter and John went. Yeah, they went to pray. And as they were going to this place, they went to on a regular basis. They went past a lame man. Let me read to it. Let me read it to you just to remind you. Acts chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried to whom they, they lay daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask for alms from those who entered the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms, and fixing his eyes on him with John and Peter, said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. So he leapt up, stood up, walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging at the for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So as the church did what it should do, and then some members of the church just went to pray. And in just going to pray, they just responded to a need. And in that moment, in that need... God engaged with them. This was prophetic engagement. This was power touching earth. This was power touching a lame man. Now, if I read, and I don't know what you understand from the story that I've just read there, but not many people found out about this. It was a bit of a secret. No one told anybody. 
His legs were healed and he kept it quiet and he didn't tell anybody and nobody else knew. Is that what you read? Not at all. His response to getting healed. Now, if, I just want us to be reminded here. He was lame from birth. He'd gone to the, he'd gone to the gate to ask for alms. So he'd gone with a particular agenda of saying, oh, just, some, just some money to help to feed. That would help. Something just to help to, to keep me through the next day. And that was his daily experience. His daily experience was just enough to carry through to the next day or so. He was daily placed at the gate. Noticed he couldn't get himself there. He was placed there by, his, I guess, his family. And Peter and John would have walked past him on a regular basis. They would have seen him. They would have heard his cries. Maybe they would have given something. But on this day was a day of prophetic engagement. This is a day when the fingerprints of heaven were going to be left on earth. When power was going to come and something was going to happen. Now, they could have just thrown a few coins into his hat, rug, whatever it was, and gone on about their prayers. They'd have been good men. They'd have done, hey, we're going to prayer. But they allowed their day to be interrupted. They said, no, we're going to stop. And what did he say? He said, silver and gold I don't have. I really don't have anything to give to you today. But what I have... I give to you, rise up. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And I don't know what God is calling each one of us to, but I do know he's calling. I'll say that again. I don't know what he's calling each one of us to, but I do know he's calling. He has stuff for us to do, things for us to do, moments where he wants for us to engage. And he wants, and we know some of these things, but we have to choose to be part of that. We have to take our foot off the clutch and go. Matthew 28 does not say stay in church and just have a nice time. Matthew 28 says go ye into all of the world, preach the gospel, uh, baptize in the name of the Father, Brickno, teaching very similar words to what I just read there in Acts chapter 2. What the church were doing. They were doing what was in Matthew 28. So I don't read that the Bible says stay. So church is not just about this meeting for 90 minutes on a Sunday. And if this becomes your only filling up station, then we need to pay attention to your filling up habits. This is not the only place we can fill up. It's a place we can fill up. We do it together corporately as a church. We can encourage one another. We can watch out for people who are struggling. We can pray for one another. But this is not the only filling up station. It can happen in small groups. It can happen just you and God. You don't need a priest. We don't need a priest anymore who stands in the way because Christ is the interaction between heaven and earth. It's through him that we have access to the Father. He intercedes for us on the right hand of the Father. He presses in when we have need. And so we have a choice to choose to take our foot off the clutch and engage with the things that God is doing or we can firmly keep our foot on the clutch in which case there's a lot of noise of power going on, but not a lot of action. So, my challenge to us this morning, church, I said I'd keep it short, is really this. That God wants us to engage with him. God wants us to engage with his purposes. And sometimes it'll be a little whisper. It'll be a little whisper. And let me give you a practical example that happened this week. On the 1st of January, I woke up um, with... 
uh, Clem and I, Clem, I mentioned Clem earlier, who comes from Carolina, he and I spoke at a conference in Tooting. I think it was three years ago now. And I woke up on January the 1st this year thinking about this group of churches. And I prayed for them. And I felt God say to me, and, and you're going to pray tomorrow. And you're going to pray tomorrow. And you're going to pray tomorrow. And um, I then felt him say, Dave, I want you to go to the conference. So I went to the conference yesterday. I didn't have an invite to go. I just went. And Delroy, who leads the network of churches, he said, Dave, what are you here for? I said, well, I just felt God should say I should come. He said, would well, you come and share? And I wasn't the appointed person to kind of do anything, but God had something in my heart, which was for the conference, which I shared. Which, so I, I, I've done what I... So it's very, very fresh for me this week. I didn't go because I had an invite. I didn't even I didn't even ring him up and say I've got something a word. Of, I just was faithful. I just went, and I share that because I think God will do that one by one. God will give us little missions. You know, when God gives us a mission, it is not mission impossible. For those people who remember the original series or maybe the film series, you get a little message that says. Uh, gives you your mission, and then the end it says, should you choose to accept this mission, this will self-destruct in five seconds, or something like that. I may not be remembering all the words rightly. But the point I'm making is God has a mission for us. His message will not self-destruct. But his mission, should we choose to accept it? His mission, should we choose to accept it? And I just believe God's going to have micro-missions for Everyone in the room. Some of them might just be for today. Here's, here's what I want you to do today, Dave. And I can choose to ignore it if I want to. But why would I choose to ignore it? Why would I choose to engage, not engage with the creator of heaven and earth who has a plan and a purpose and is just wanting an agent on earth to be his hands and his feet for that moment? Why would I choose not to engage? Because it's inconvenient. Well, what on earth could I be doing that could be more important than engaging with creator of God, creator of heaven and earth? What could be more important than engaging with a father who sent his one and only son so that I might have relationship with him? There is no greater. There is no greater mission. So if he's got something, I want to pay attention. I want to take my foot off the clutch, even if the engine is revving pretty fast. Because one of the things that you know, if you take the, end, the foot off the clutch quickly and the engine is revving fast, you're going to shoot forward very quickly. And sometimes that's a bit frightening. But you know, I think some, for some of us, that will be our experience. It will be like we are on the hot rod track where the foot is flat to the floor on the accelerator and away we go. Rubber burning, everything going, adrenaline rushing. Because that's sometimes what it's like on a mission we've got. So I'm going to close. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you to sit. Wherever you're sitting, would you sit so that your feet or your heels are on the floor? And whether, you have, whether you're legally allowed to drive a car or not, so this has nothing to do with age right now, I want you to sit in a place where you could, as it were, lift your foot off the pedals. Now, your right foot is for the accelerator, and your left foot is for, if you've got a manual car, the clutch and the brake. Let's forget the brake at the moment. Let's not think about stopping what God is doing. 
let's just think about, okay, God's putting his foot on the accelerator because he brings the power. But it's up to us whether we choose to engage with that power. I just want you with your left foot, with your heel on the floor, just to, if you want to flow with God, if you want to use this as a moment, a prophetic action, you lift your left foot off the floor, lift it up so that the pedal comes up, so that power engages, because I'm going to pray. And it's up to you whether you choose that you want to agree with this and say amen at the end and lift your foot off the pedal. But I'm just excited that God's going to do some things today. I'm excited that God's going to do some things this week. I'm excited that we have people who have a hungry heart for God, who want to do what God wants to do. So, Father God, we sit in your presence. Lord, we're deliberately sitting because we're taking our foot off the clutch and we're letting the power of heaven, the power, the sovereign power from the throne of heaven engage in our world. And, Lord, we choose to respond to your mission call. We choose to respond to what seems like mission impossible, but it's not impossible with you. And we say, let your will be done in our lives. Father, we choose to engage. We prophetically engage with all that you do. And we say yes and amen to the things of tomorrow that we don't yet know. But we do it because we trust you. We do it because you love us. We do it because you've done it before. And so, Father God, the flag is on. The race has started. God launches us into his purposes. And so the word that I hear as we're praying is go, is go, is go. Allow that to echo into your spirit. Allow that to echo into your heart. As we come back to worship, as we close out our service this morning, one final song as we...